0: Red light? Stop for orders. My heavens! Train number second five, engine number seven one two. Prepare to meet thy God. Oh, and welcome to the Feeling Your Oats Podcast. Whether it's great lives or great tragedies, or just showing up for the adventure, history that is told without being felt is minimized. Like food that is eaten without being tasted. What's the point? Tell the stories. Feel the people. Learn the lessons. Be a better you because of them. Don't keep reinventing the wheel. Will you get some of the story wrong? Yes. Will the size of the fish increase each time? Probably. Will there be a different perspective? Of course. So what? When we stand on the shoulders of the past, we can see with greater clarity into our future. True stories well told can inspire, caution, entertain, and instruct. If you judge the yesterdays of history by today's standards, then you deserve the same. If you erase it, you will repeat it. Please come on in and make yourself at home. Say, while you're here, Can I get you something to think today? Cynthia Boardman was a girl of loving disposition, and her affections were true as gold when once they were fastened. William Rawlings was the happy man who first led Cynthia to the altar of Blushing Bride. A mule killed Mr. Rollins. His relict then married Henry Ladd, He was drowned. Making a visit to Pennsylvania, she was snapped up by Mr. Henderson. He died. Returning to Ohio, her native Heath, she became Mrs. Johnson. He died. Mrs. Johnson then took Mr. Dixon. He died. Again the widow goes to Pennsylvania, and again she is snapped up, this time by Mr. Mayberry. And they move to Indiana. The og killed Mr. Mayberry. The much-tried widow returns to Ohio, where Henry Ladd, a brother of her second husband, married her. He died. She now takes a rest for four years and then becomes Mrs. Tipton. He died. She now went on to her farm and proceeded to ornament her house with the portraits of her lamented dead and hung them up as a gentle reminder of the fate in store for the unfortunate man who should next marry her. She next married Mr. Dyer, a frail man, who was not as popular as some of her other husbands, but, said she, apologetically, I was getting too old to be particular, and I took him. George ain't overly stout, and I reckon his picture will soon go along with the rest of them. <laughs> The Queen Bee, Volume 7, Number 1, July 1st, 1885. As I do research for these episodes, I am usually avalanched with information and tangents. People and fascinating perspectives that don't always fit the narrative of this story I'm trying to squeeze into a 30-minute podcast episode. Most of these gems end up on the cutting room floor, and that saddens me. I am enthralled enough by these excess tidbits that I find myself reciting them to friends and mentors, coworkers and family. And the soaking effect of such in-depth research doesn't end when an episode is published. That's usually the crescendo or the apex of the moment, but it's absolutely not an abrupt halt to the experience, and that's where the frustration lies. A good episode takes more time than you would imagine, mostly because I want you to feel the story as much or more than just hearing it, I want you to be changed as I am by the experience. I want you to be brought to laughter and tears. I want you to be curious about your own family stories. And all in all, I want you to have felt something from what is shared. shared—a uh, Something that becomes part of you going forward. It's a bold aspiration, I admit. Yet, I can attest to you that there is no greater form of connection with yourself than to connect with your genetics, your history, your ancestors, your family. I have been hearing and sharing family history stories for my entire life. I read and tell them as bedtime stories. I share them in speeches. I share them with friends. I lean on that connection to them as I face challenges and hardships. And yes, i referred to it as a connection. Two of the greatest forces for connection and influence in the world are the connection of family and the captivating influence of true stories. Now, a natural combination of these two are family history stories well told in a historical context of understanding and clarity. And not just family stories that are told, but rather stories that help us feel them, feel ourselves in them and with them, and feel things that we personally need to connect with and be influenced by. After previewing over 1,300 newspaper articles looking for Edward Augustus Boardman of the Denver, Colorado area, I was bound to come across a story or two that would be too juicy not to sink my teeth into. Here is one I know you will enjoy. It all began in the late 1800s in northern Indiana. In August of 1890, a number of railroad men sat in the rotunda of the Lockleed building at 408 Olive Street in St. Louis, Missouri. They exchanged reminiscent tales, and the conversation gradually drifted into stories of a supernatural tinge. Uh, Some years ago, in the town of Garrett, Indiana, uh, there lay sick at his home an astonishingly gifted engineer acquaintance of mine named Boardman. Now, uh, Garrett was situated in northern Indiana and was the headquarters of the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad's Chicago Division. I I don't recall what poor old Boardman was sickly with, but he became wildly delirious and his ravings took a a serious aspect at times. (laughs) Hey, Boardman, can you hear me okay? We have a situation that requires the use of your number 712 engine. Now, I know I promised you that your engine wouldn't be used unless it was absolutely necessary. I know you were attached to that contraption. I told Engineer Moses to be extra careful with her. He's making an extra run with special occupants. Headed further east, I I promise your engine will be back within the week. Engine 712 was the pride of the road and of Engineer Boardman. It had not been sent out before because the foreman of the roundhouse desired to gratify the wishes of the Engineer Boardman. But on this occasion, it was necessary. As a special train containing an opera company, well, they had to make Washington in 20 hours. A run of 853 miles from Chicago, and no other engine. On the Chicago division, was equal to the speed demanded by the company. All aboard! Train second time eastbound to Washington D.C. All aboard! Runs up the St. Joe grade like the wind, 22 miles, one stop for water, one stop for railroad crossing, and 30 minutes gone. Um, uh, what was that all about? Uh, Gosh, I don't know, boss. Uh, Them's some memorable locations along the track, though. Uh, Probably just his ailment causing uh, hallucinations or something. See that? He just goes calm as night again and makes you wonder Holgate Listen at her spin. He's got the crossing There there she goes Defiance to Holgate was like a step to her You know boss it's almost as if he's calling out locations in sequence. It's strange enough as it is, but they're like in sequence along that line of track. This might sound like a bit kooky, but it's almost like he has some kind of supernatural second sight. L- like he can watch the movements of engine number 712. <laughs> I know. Crazy, huh? It is crazy. But it makes a fellow wonder. Joe, ride on down to the dispatcher's office. It's just a few blocks away, and check to see where engine number seven twelve is located. And don't forget, see if what Boardman is mumbling makes any sense, or if we're all just starting to imagine the unimaginable. <laughs> Hey, Tom, can you give me a favor and check on the location and some details of number 712's journey? Boardman's engine? Well, of course I can. Just give me a minute, and we'll see what we can find out. <gasps> Water station? That's four minutes lost. Why couldn't she do it without water? Ha <laughs> ha! Watch your pound sand now. Isn't she a beauty? Hey, boss. Everything checks out. And he even said it had just unexpectedly refilled with water at the F tower but was making good time nonetheless. Great goosebumps of Garrett. He just said that. He is certainly in some kind of supernatural trance. Almost as if his spirit is somewhere else, and his body is only a mouthpiece at this point. <laughs> hey, help me out here, Joe. Let's raise him up so he can breathe easier. Ma'am, ma'am. You and the family should be in here. There you go, Boardman. Breathe easy now. (laughs) Tiffin! Red light? Stop for orders! My heavens! Train number second five, engine number seven one two. Prepare to meet thy god. Okay, Cockrell. Uh, Boardman. Boardman. Oh, he's gone, Joe. I'm sorry, ma'am. What the heck are we supposed to make of that? If that ain't a presentiment, I don't know what is there was enough urgency in them words that this old boy doesn't need to understand what I just heard before I do something about it. Help out the missus boys. I'm headed to talk to Tom at the telegraph station. Message immediately to the East End man. B- write this down. For heaven's sake, Dixie, stop second five at Republic. Public? What? Do you, oh. Stop the train! Stop the train! Get get the red light on! Stop second five! Stop engine seven one two! Oh, oh, well, Tom, what'd he say? What'd he say? Uh, hold on there. Uh, stop second five. That's just a repeat of your request. Here we go. Second 5 is stopped. Conductor wants to know what for. What for? Well, just say, had a terrible premonition. Stop. Tell Conductor to proceed cautiously to Chicago Junction. Stop. Hold on. Here's a message coming in from Attica. Stop second 5 at Republic... The first five ditched a mile west of here. Engine and three cars off. Cow on track. Engineer killed by jumping. Well, I'll be jiggered. There would have been a whole trainload of fatalities if and he kept a running past Republic. No telling what kind of further tragedy has just been averted. How in the name of Nessie did Borman know all that? I wish I could ask him that, Tom. After he gave us that last warning, he just collapsed and died. The derailment west of Attica was on a blind turn in the tracks, lined on both sides with timber. No way they could have stopped for the cow that was on the tracks, and no way engine number 712 could have ever been notified in time before they compounded the tragedy to a full-scale disaster. The man who saved nearly 100 lives that day lay a corpse at his home with his sorrowing family surrounding him. To their credit, the opera company made up a purse, which together with the life insurance Mr. Boardman had carried made the engineer's family independent for the rest of their lives. Why do we need family history stories now more than ever? Human beings desire attachment, belonging, and connection. The relationships we form with other people can be incredibly durable, not only with people in our present, but also with people in our past and future. The more we discover about our past, the greater a connection we feel to our ancestors. As we record our own personal history, we open the opportunity for future generations to connect with us when we are gone in effect we greatly enhance the prevention of addictions because we are giving connection now let me explain in a popular ted talk entitled everything you think you know about addiction is wrong british journalist johan Hari, and i will include a link to this in the show notes he teaches that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety it is connection Connecting with members of our family past and present by learning their history fills an innate need in each one of us. Now, I hardly know anything about epigenetics and hand-me-down trauma, but I know that connection is the antithesis of addiction, even its very enemy. We live in a society that suffers with addictions in all of its variants. One of the first goals in any addiction recovery is finding recovering or strengthening connection connecting the dots to understand yourself your behavior and your nature as it's been so profoundly stated by dr. Meeks remove the cause and the effect will cease as human beings we will do just about anything for connection some of the worst behaviors are the result of a missing lost or broken connection Whether you believe that your connection to your progenitors is purely emotional or spiritual, biological or DNA related, as Garrett Walter Gong stated, we each have a story. As we discover our story, we connect, we belong, we become. In episode 26, I shared some events from the lives of Edward Augustus Boardman and Catherine Fitzsimmons and their life together in Colorado. In the wake of publishing the previous episode, the landslide of information didn't just halt at the gate. It wanted to slide into the yard and move my perspective off its foundation, and so it did. Edward Augustus Boardman started work with the Union Pacific Railroad in 1874. He was just 15 years old. He had moved to Colorado as a teen from Buffalo, New York, and taken up employment as a rail worker. Because of his leadership and organizing skills, Gus quickly became the old Colorado Central Roadmaster for the Denver region of Union Pacific. He was in charge of building and repairing tracks as needed, or as we find as Mother Nature had demanded it. Of the 40 years he lived in the Denver area, at least 35 of those were spent working for the railroad, with about a five-year gap running a dry goods store in Victor, Colorado. Now, as previously mentioned, Gus and Catherine were married on November 23, 1881. With minimal birth control options in the 1800s, it's pretty customary in family history for all the children desired in the marriage to follow in succession immediately after a marriage. I was a little perplexed that their first child didn't arrive until 1888, seven years after their first marriage. I was suspicious that even after learning of three children dying within a week from diphtheria in Victor, and two later that decade in Denver, that somehow, as awful and impossible to comprehend as that was, somehow, just somehow, all of the tragic childbearing story wasn't fully known yet. As I looked through the cemetery records in Golden, Colorado, where they spent their first 13 years of the marriage, I found three graves of Boardman children. No first names, just Child Boardman, September 26th, 1882, Infant Boardman, October 20th, 1883 and Infant Boardman, October twenty eighth, 1883. The first child looks like their honeymoon baby. The last two seem to be twins. Just unfathomable. While working on the Georgetown Loop Railroad construction, Gus, who was the superintendent at the time, was surprised by this announcement that was captured in the March thirteenth, eighteen 1886 edition of the Colorado Minor newspaper. It reads, railroad items. The evening train will soon arrive in daylight. Conductor Ingling's smiling countenance is no longer seen in the mountains, but electrifies the pumpkin rollers along the route between Denver and Cheyenne. Conductor Charlie Campbell and his excellent lady are now residents of Denver. We hope they will enjoy their new home. Superintendent of Track, E. A. Boardman has just been made happy by the arrival of a passenger in the form of a beautiful little daughter. On the 7th of March, 1886, he received orders to report immediately at Denver, and upon his arrival there was introduced to the cherub. Papa Boardman was congratulated by his many friends last Monday, and no prouder man was to be found among the C.C. employees. May the little one be a source of joy to the happy parents. Now this child was never mentioned and would bring the family total to 10 children, one of which survived past the age of seven. Can you imagine? Thank you for listening to the Feeling Your Oats podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Growing listeners will allow complete focus on content. Once again, I am just randomly being me. Until next time, remember when your why is clear, your how is easy. And hey, we'll see you in the spring if the water's clear. That I sure enjoyed the visit today If you gained something from it Be kind enough to follow us and leave a review And do it right now If you would, it'd sure be appreciated Your comments have been so considerate And honestly left me blushing good night. Those reviews make a big difference in the program's visibility. On the Apple platforms, you select the Go to Show option, and then click the Circle Plus sign at the top right to follow. Then scroll down below the episodes to leave some stars and a review. Them algorithms need all the help they can get, so as I can disrupt more good folks like you. So I tell you what, if you got a friend or three that you just don't like very much, well share this podcast with them, and let us bug them for a while. And if you have comments or suggestions for future discussion, Well, don't just keep them to yourself We'd love to hear from you You can DM us on our Instagrams At fyo.podcast And thank you Hey, are you still there? Remember to download the Family Tree app and see how you are related to the people from today's episode. All those links will be included in the show notes. Sometimes it's important to look a gift horse in the mouth. Your gift is your ancestry, your superpower is their family history stories that make you. Not a one of us crawled out from under a rock, regardless of what you've been told. You have 4,094 grandparents, over 12 generations, with thousands of love stories, battles, difficulties, sadness, happiness, and expressions of hope for the future that allows you to be here today. We are the culmination of so many things we did not choose. It was designed that way. So be gentle with yourself and others. Take the time to learn yourself through your family history stories. There are innumerable tributaries flowing into the life experience that deceptively seems to be your own, but it's not. So think about that as you row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Russell M. Nelson stated, When our hearts turn to our ancestors, something changes inside us. We feel part of something greater than ourselves. (laughs) I concur. Thank you for joining me on another unbelievably true adventure. Find your family history superpower and activate it. Until the next time, bye.